Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. I'd like to welcome you to another episode of As Some of You Once Were. With me, Trevor Briley, pastor of Round Oak Baptist Church in Corbin, Virginia. And again, as we turn a corner, as we last week finished up the first chapter of the book of Romans, I want to start something new as we start into the second chapter. One thing we're going to do is at the end of each chapter going forward from here, we're going to have a, a whole episode devoted to answering questions. Questions that you can email in to me or send me and questions that I'll hear from other people. Well, we're going to just dive in and get some of the commonly asked questions, maybe even some of the not so commonly asked questions, and we're going to go over all those. So again, as we go throughout each episode, if you have questions, if you have a comment, you have a concern, please feel free to email me. My email address is pastortrevor at roundoakchurch.com. But again, going forward, that's something that we're going to do. We're going to try, and I think it'll be good because the more we get into things, the more we can have discussions, the more we can have debates, the more we can learn and grow and walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing to divide over, but we should always want to strive to know more as we come together and again worship our risen Lord and Savior. But again, today we're going to be looking at the second chapter of Romans. As we keep looking through this study, as we keep going throughout the book of Romans, we are going to again have a short section here today. So if you have your Bibles handy and available, and I hope that you do, Turn with me again to Romans chapter 2. We're going to be looking at, again, just the first few verses, verses 1 through 5. And as we kind of get going here, as you're turning there, as you're finding it, keep in mind that this is going to be another one of those passages. One that we need to think rightly about ourselves with. Not looking at others or pointing fingers at somebody else. But being real, being honest with ourselves, having that honest, sober assessment of who we really are. If we want to grow closer to Jesus Christ, then we obviously must continue to grow. And to do that, we have to be able to see things in a certain way. And we have to see certain things things about ourselves as well. We need to be able to step back and to see the simple and real fact that I am not perfect, that we are not perfect. We need to understand that we are still sinners in need of grace. We often act a certain way. We do certain things. And that is a pattern that's easy to slip into. But the realization of where we are needs to happen. We need the grace and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we need that every single day. We need the eyes to see and the ears to hear. Again, understanding who we are where we came from, and who Jesus Christ is, is something that we all have to 
see, know, and understand in our lives. But again, I hope you're there. I hope that you found it. Romans chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it reads this way. Therefore, every one of you who judges is without excuse. For when you judge another, you condemn yourself, since you, the judge, do the same things. We know that God's judgment on those who do such things is based on the truth. Do you really think any one of you who judges those who do such things yet do the same, that you will escape God's judgment? Or do you desire the riches of his kindness, restraint, and patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Because of your hardened and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment is revealed. So as we look at this, again, we see these a lot, especially with Paul's writings. But verse 1 starts out with the word therefore. And again, we have to find out what the word therefore is therefore. If we're going to keep things in context, then we have to understand what's going on. This is a continuation, building upon what we looked at before in verses 39, or excuse me, 29 and 32. That list, those things that we saw, looking back there before, it said, they're full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice, gossip, slanders, God-haters, arrogant, proud, and boastful. All that. We do many of those things. Then what? We turn around and rail on those who do the same things. And this is where it gets a little bit heavy again. We read that we are without excuse. We do the things on this list. We act in defiance to God. And then we try to call out those who are doing the very same thing. And I do want to say this. This part, along with the verses in Matthew 7, specifically 7.1, but those verses, is used repeatedly for others to tell us not to judge. But I want to be clear, because this is actually quite clear, that those repeated usage, this verse, Matthew 7, do not judge verses, when we see that, it is definitely not telling us to not make a judgment. This is one example of verses being taken out of context, quite simply. And the easiest way, again, to keep things in context is to keep reading. So let's look at this again. Verse 1 of chapter 2, it says, Therefore, every one of you who judges is without excuse. Okay, if we stopped reading there, I get it. But we must keep reading. For when you judge another, you condemn yourself. Since you, the judge, do the same things. We look at the world far too often and criticize and rebuke what they are doing. And then we turn around and do the exact same things. Again, look at the list from chapter 1, 
verse 29 through 32. We talked about that at any given point, we have fallen back into this. Yet, even while we are there, right in the middle of our own backsliding, we're still trying to call out others for doing the same thing. And that's what Paul is warning us about here. And then what do we do? What do we do? This is not just a Christian thing. It's a, it's a people thing. We will do whatever it takes to justify what we want. That's what we do. Because again, my sin is different. In fact, if I do it, it's not even a sin at all. Right? Isn't that what we think? That if I do it, it's, it's okay. I can justify it. But if you do it, it is definitely still a sin. We've gotten into the mindset that we deserve certain things. That we are better. That we are more righteous. That for whatever reason, we think that we deserve to get some kind of free pass. We are so quick to judge others when we do the same exact things. And again, we can always come back to this, but the root of this, the root of all of it, is the same as any other root. And that is pride. The root of any other sin is pride. Because again, it's a whole lot different when I do it. It's different for me, but for you, it's still a sin. And we have to start to understand and see that that is often what we do. And again, that is expressly what Paul is warning us about here. But we continue on with verse 2. We know that God's judgment on those who do such things is based on the truth. This thinking here, this writing, what Paul is saying, it's really bringing it home. And this is the part that so many tend to get hung up on. And the primary word here, the word we need to understand, what we have to see here is the word truth. Now what we see is truth. What we see is facts. Have been and far too often simply get distorted. A couple of ex examples. Far too many people will believe every pastor. And everything that it, he says, for one simple reason, that he has a platform. He has a title. They call him a pastor, so he must be credible, right? I mean, he has a position, one that allows him to speak to large groups. Pastors are up on that pedestal and should be believed, that's, the, that's distortion. We 100% can't think like that. Ever. With anyone. The second example. Science. If two different science, scientists are doing research on the same thing, but they come to two different conclusions, which one is telling the truth? The answer is actually simple. 
based on who's listening, the answer is simple. It is the one that agrees with a certain narrative. The one that agrees and is more in tune with current cultural thinking. I mean, we really can keep going and give more examples, but I, I do believe you get the point. Our, our ideas, our thought patterns, what we think truth is, is often not the truth. It's opinions, cultural and societal biases, whether it's good or bad, whether we agree with it or not, is become distorted. There's a push, and it's nothing new. It's been happening for decades. But there's a push for the thinking that truth is relative. That my truth can be different from your truth, and yet it's both true. We, we can both be right. It can be true for both of us, even if the two ideas, our so-called two truths, contradict. If my truth is that the door is blue, but your truth is that it's actually a red chair. I mean, it sounds silly, but this is what many teach. That there's no such thing as absolute truth. It's relative. That is the way the world is leaning. That's, what, that's the way it's going. That there is no definite truth. It is relative, merely based on what any given person thinks at any given time. So we have to ask ourselves one question. What do we think is truth? Because our thinking, our ideas, our beliefs, they can be swayed. They can be blown by the wind if we're not grounded in something. So what is truth? My truth? Your truth? The pastor's truth? The world, the government, TV, your neighbor, someone in your family? Is it dependent on them, any one of them? Or is it truth of God. The truth that he has revealed to us through his word. If we are not growing in the Lord, if we are not seeking and searching, then we are easy targets. And realistically, we are going to be swayed. That's why it's important to study the word. Not merely read, yes, read the Bible, but actually study it, to be in it, to mine it for all of its wealth. So that when things, when ideas, when issues come up, we are prepared to combat them. Not merely with what we think, not based on our own opinions or our own ideas, but based on what the Word of God actually says. And that is the truth that we stand on. That is the truth, the Word of God, the truth 
what we hold on to. Just as the verse from Matthew, we are to judge not self-righteously, not to judge on our meager opinions, but we are called to be fruit inspectors, to judge based on the word of God, because that is the standard by which we will be judged as well. God's judgments are based on truth, actual, real truth. And he has revealed that truth to us. And we will be judged in the same way that we judge others. So based on our thinking, on our mindsets, how we look at the world, our worldview on the truth, the truth of God and his word, that is the standard of truth and that will never go away. Our thinking and our mindsets must start there. His word will stand for all time. Regardless of who or what comes up against it. God's word will never pass away. Verses 3 and 4. Do you really think any one of you who judges those who do such things, yet do the same, that you will escape God's judgment? Or do you despise the riches of his kindness, restraint, and patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Again, as we look at this, it's more of a continuation of what he just said, more fully explaining what the real concept is here. Again, we are not perfect. This side of eternity, we will never, not one of us, be perfect. We are sinners who, yes, have been saved by grace. But far too often, we tend to act the opposite way. We tend to think that we are better than what we are. We tend to think that we are able to do certain things. Because we are, again, quite simply, better Christians than others. In reality, we must see our own folly. We must see our own mistakes. We need to see our own sin. And simply pray. Ask God to reveal those things to you. Ask Him to correct you. Ask Him to convict you, to bring you back to the narrow path, to bring you to repentance. We need to pray and to ask God to do this. Because on our own, we will have convinced ourselves otherwise. On our own, we will live life in all aspects of it by my own standard and not by God's. Verse 4, I love how Paul writes this. Do you think that you can just do what you want? It's kind of how he's, it's kind of how he's relating that here. Do you think that God's kindness is, is so amazing in certain ways that you can just do all these things and no matter what, that he'll just get rid of it? That you don't have to repent 
as he tells us to over and over again? That we can continue to live a life filled with sin, our lust for sin can just go on unabounded and everything's going to be okay? Do you despise? Do you hate? Do you just want to take advantage of these great things, of the greatness and the awesomeness of God? Often when you say it out loud, it changes your perspective because you're hearing it. Again, verse 4 says this, Do you despise the riches of his kindness, his patience? Taking that in collaboration here essentially with verse 3, do you think you can just do all these things? Or do you just don't care? Looking back again, pairing this again with the previous verse from chapter 1, looking at the end of it, verses 28 down through 32. Are we God-haters? Do we know God's just sentence, but don't care and applaud when we go a different direction? I want you to think about this. Because this hits me right where I stand. While we're busy judging others, again, many times for doing the same things, while we are busy acting a certain way, God is withholding his judgment on us so that we can repent. As we travel down these roads, we are accruing judgment because we sin again and again. But God's kindness, his restraint, his patience, it makes it possible to not have to see all that, that judgment, come to fruition in our lives. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood that covers a multitude of sin, we are able to see the grace and the mercy of God. And again, I love just the simple definitions of grace and mercy. Grace, getting what we do not deserve. Mercy, not getting what we do deserve. I've said it once before. I will say it a million times again. But I love grace and I love mercy. Verse 5. Because of your, hard, your hardened and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment is revealed. I will wrap this section up here as easily and as straightforward as I can. The religious tendencies, the thinking that we are better, the outright defiance to what the Word of God says is only doing one thing. And that is that it is storing up wrath. This is like water being pooled and stored behind a dam. More and more water. And the more water, the more and more pressure. Then one day that dam will break. 
and everything that was being held back will be held back no more. And God's righteous judgment will be revealed in full. It will happen. It is coming. Whether you believe it or not, whether that's your truth or not, it is coming. And there is only one way to not see that wrath. There is only one way to be pardoned. There's only one person's righteousness that can save you. It was made possible by the atoning sacrifice of the only Son of God, Jesus Christ. By knowing Him, by seeing Jesus for who He really is, that He can take your sin, the darkness, the blackness of it all, and He can replace it with His own righteousness. Again, not based on anything that we've done. Not based on anything that we can do. But on the merit of the perfect Savior. And as we draw this episode to a close, I want you to remember that and think about these things. Because the more we think about it, I do believe the better off we can be because we can start to see it. And the more we think about it, the more we see it, the more we can pray and talk to God, and the more I do fully believe that he will reveal new things to us. And yes, that does include the sin that we must repent of and get rid of. But when we are barking and yelling at the world, we should definitely make sure that we're not doing the same thing, that we are not lockstep with them. But again, that is all I have for today. Again, I pray that you have a great week, an amazing week, as you follow and praise and honor the Lord Jesus Christ, and as you find new and amazing ways to witness to him. But again, as we go forward here, comments, questions, and concerns, please feel free to email me at pastortrevor at roundoakchurch.com. I would love to answer your questions or just have some contact with you as well. But until next time, take care and may the Lord richly bless you.